Hello, hello. Welcome to Tea Time History Chat Live. Welcome to uh, Wednesday, the 26th of April. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about Tutbury Castle. I also have a extra speaker to tell you about that is coming to the Tudor History Festival this autumn. Um, and also a couple of interviews I've been doing that you'll be interested to hear about. So all of that is happening today. Welcome. I'm streaming live on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. Hello, if you're returning and a warm welcome to you. If this is your first time, this is where you need to come to for British history and a bit of a relaxed chat of a Wednesday uh, afternoon here, whatever time it is where you are. Um, please feel free to pop a um, comment below say hi tell me where you're coming from um anything interesting you've seen in the history news this week please feel free to raise it I might not have seen it so um I'm happy to discuss anything you're uh oh no sound bear with me am I now here with you <laughs> sorry about that everybody I'll start again, shall I? Thursday tea time. No, it's not Thursday. I'll start again again. It's tea time history chat live. Today I'm going to talk to you about Tutbury Castle, which I visited last Thursday. You might have seen that I've done a couple of posts about it. It was a one-time prison to, well, four times actually, technically, prison to Mary Queen of Scots. Linda's joining on Facebook. Hello to you. Welcome if you're on Instagram. Um, uh, Mary, she can hear me now. Good. Yes, that was my fault. One thing was on, the other thing wasn't on. Need Both things needed to be on. And now we are here. So, um, yes, I was saying to everyone on Instagram who couldn't hear me, um, please feel free to pop a comment. <laughs> Say hi. Let me know where you're uh, joining from. Um, what time is it there, Linda? It's eight o'clock in Michigan. And we have sound on Facebook and YouTube. Yay. <laughs> oh, best laid plans. You'd have thought by now I might... You know, not have technical issues, but there you go. One man, one woman, one man, whatever, banned, and uh, these things happen. So, yeah, so I'll talk to you about Tutbury Castle. If you've seen my reel or any of the, in fact, the day I was there um, and the following day, I did a, a big story on Tutbury Castle. Um, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tell you a bit more about, about that in a moment. Erin um, is in London. Mary Beth is in Pennsylvania. Jude is in Raleigh. Uh, good morning, Darla in Indiana. Um, we've got Amy here. Terry, hello. Brian's down in Cornwall. Cloudy. I like the emojis. He's no, he knows what to expect now. We have sunny spells. I would put sun and cloud for me at the moment. I like the emojis thing. Go for the emojis. I think if you do like emojis and um, make sure you like if you're on um, YouTube, if you like the video, then basically this this gets seen by more people who might enjoy it, which is nice. And we can expand the audience. Uh, Ricky in oh, Cindy, sorry, in Oklahoma. Robin in Atlanta. Welcome. Mm. I don't know if you've got your cup of tea. I have actually have a cup of tea today. Made in a pot is the best way. It's the best way. Um, good morning, Rennie. How are you doing over there in Michigan? So I'm going to talk to you about Tutbury, as I've said. I'm also going to let you know of an additional speaker to the Tudor History Festival lineup. That's an online history festival. It'll be our third. We did one last um, November. We did one in um, March, so just gone. And we've got one this November. So um, we no, so we did the Stuarts last November, uh, Georgians just, and we've got Tudors coming up this November. So I will uh, I will let you uh, in on who that extra speaker is going to be. Amy, I can't believe I've missed two History After Darts in the last two weeks. Well, eh. I'm missing tonight, so you're not on your own. <laughs> I'm after this is finished. I'm travelling down south, so um, uh, I won't be on history after dark either tonight. I'm afraid. Uh, Rebecca is also in Atlanta. Linda, did I see Gareth's Facebook post the new cover of his Hampton Court Palace book? I haven't. Oh, I need to go looking. I need to go and find that. Joan, it's five a.m. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'll speak gently for a while. Uh, Melissa is in Cape Cod. Hi, uh, Lisa. 
hello everybody welcome um so yes yeah, so so yeah please comment like subscribe and all all of that it really really helps to get the word out it helps um join up with other history lovers you can of course and I will mention this just before we move on join my patreon linked actually to what I'm about to to tell you about um Charlene has joined this week so I like giving um I like giving all my new patrons they all get a new uh, sorry a shout out so Charlene has joined the crew um Rennie loving the vibe you like are you liking the uh you liking the uh the look um Gareth's book cover is on I always put it on Instagram this morning. So I have been interviewing um, someone this morning, hence me not being on social media um, and seeing this uh, uh, post of Gareth's. So I'm getting a preview of the book, though, because if you're a patron, you'll know that I do historian interviews and they they go onto my YouTube each month. Um, And if you're a patron, you get to know. um, So you get to submit your own questions for whoever it is I'm interviewing. So some of you will have remembered that I was interviewing this morning uh, Sarah Slater, who is Hampton Court tour guide on Instagram. She is a white badge guide, which I found out what that was this morning. Um, uh, Brian, just so you know, I'm going to, to my dance class, but I'll try and make it history after dark later. Well, enjoy your dance class, Brian. Love it. And uh, you'll see the girls on History After Dark tonight, but not me, just for this week. Um, So I've been speaking to Sarah Slater. Now, yeah, so like I say, patrons were able to put their own questions to her. And I was talking to her specifically about guiding at Hampton Court Palace. Um, She, like I say, is a white badge guide, which I didn't know what that was until I spoke to her. And um, it, it means that you're actually trained in a specific location so you've heard of green badge guides you've you definitely have heard of blue badge guides and there's white badge guides so she is specifically trained as a guide lecturer at Hampton Court Palace so the entire interview um, was fascinating about the history of of Hampton Court Palace who's lived there the architecture um, the myths the ghost stories um, the bits that aren't open to the public we went through it all so that um that was fabulous. And then, and then, sorry, and then patrons um, questions were asked at the end. But so this links back to Gareth. Gareth uh, is doing an interview with me. Um, and I will be asking patrons to um, uh, submit their own questions for, for Gareth Russell about his new book on the history of Hampton Court Palace through the people who live there. So, um, so if you want to be able to submit your own question to Gareth, and by the way, the patrons are the only ones who also see those questions and their answers, because um, that makes up an extended, also ad-free version of the interviews. Um, so you can you can put your questions to, to Gareth if you're a patron. It's £5 a month. You can leave any time. And the other benefit, well, one of the other benefits, it's quite a few actually. So when I was at Tutbury Castle, for instance, there's more photos um, uh about Mary Queen of Scots lost um, prison building there that went on to my patron as well so just to give you an idea but of course the other thing is our book club and this is our current book in book club Blood Fire and Gold by Estelle Peronk um, by Elizabeth I and Catherine de Medici Mary Queen of Scots features heavily in here as well um and this is going to be our book. We're, we're doing our book club meeting. So it's all online because we're, we're all over the world. Um, we're doing our book club meeting on the 21st of May, Sunday, the 21st of May, um, which is actually the day that I get back from, sorry, it's the day after I get back from the Anne Boleyn tour. <laughs> so it's going to be a, a lovely but busy week. Um so yeah so if you're interested in putting your questions to uh historians you're interested in getting the ad free versions of the extended versions of the interviews and of course um uh getting to come to book club then patreon.com forward slash british history is where you need to be uh so linda says it's a great read it was it's it's a brilliant brilliant book oh heidi a little late couch bound with a torn meniscus after a fall yesterday oh i'm so sorry i hope you're Ugh. rest up rest up and it will heal quicker don't be like me and be determined to 
get on and as quick as possible. It was not a good idea. Not with a meniscus, with a, a bad back um, sort of thing. But anyway, yeah, look after yourself. So I'm very excited, though, to also say, oh, the other thing I should say, God, there's so much that you get in Patreon is 10% off event tickets. So for the Tudors Online History Festival, you get 10% off your off the um, uh, the ticket price. We have seven speakers at the Tudor Online History Festival now. So last week I announced the first six. And since then, I've had a uh, another um, confirmation. Uh, so I will tell you about who that is in a second. We have, if I just remind you of who we um uh, we have already, or Beverly says she's just finished Blood, Fire and Gold and just picked up Young Damn Young and Damned and Fair from the library. Young and Damned and Fair is Gareth Russell's biography of Catherine Howard, of course. Well, you'll you will thoroughly enjoy that one as well. Um uh, so for the Tudors Online History Festival, so far, well, so far, the speaker lineup is, is confirmed, is Tracy Borman, who, if anyone's following, is doing, a, uh, she's doing an actual theatre tour. Uh, it's fantastic. She's somewhere different every night. That woman has so much energy. So Tracy Borman is speaking at the Online History Festival, uh, Tudors Online History Festival. Gareth Russell will also be speaking. Dr. Kat Marchant will be speaking. Estelle Peronk, author of Blood, Fire and Gold, will be speaking. Joanne Paul will be speaking. Uh, Professor James Clark, whose interview I have still yet to, um, I need to edit it together and get that onto my YouTube, but you are going to love it. It's the one on the dissolution of the monasteries. He gave me three hours of his time. Patrons, buckle up. One of those hours is just for you. Um and what I think I'm going to do is 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 split it up because it is a long interview. I'm going to serialize it, put it on my YouTube. It is fabulous. And James Clark will be speaking at the Tudors Online History Festival. So they're the six. They're the six that I announced last week. The seventh speaker is Illyri Lynn. Illyri is she's spoken at the last two online history festivals. She is a um, sort of textiles and um, fashion historian. I, I, I don't know her exact title, but that that is what that is what she does. What she is, she was behind um, things like the Backton altar cloth um, exhibition um, at Hampton Court Palace when that was on. If anyone of you were lucky enough to see that, uh, and she is an authority on uh, on fashion through history, and she is now going to be also doing a talk at the Tudors Festival. So um, you can uh, get your tickets for that at, so it was hosted on Eventbrite. So if you go to, you can go to Eventbrite and search for the Tudors Online History Festival, or you can go, (laughs) excuse me, to um, www.thetudors2023.eventbrite.com co.uk it's not .com it's .co.uk you can also find the link to that in my bio or on the website britishhistorytours.com so remember if you're a patron you get 10% off as well uh, from from your ticket price so there is the lineup for the Tudors Online History Festival Um, now the other thing to mention which is slightly different to the last two is we have a uh, and we have had for the last two but a live Q&A where you can put your questions to the speakers and they have been authors and a couple of the speakers who've been doing the talks the previous one this one the Tudors you will get to see live all of those people all of those will be there so that's uh, Tracy Borman, Gareth Russell, Kat Marchant, James Clark, Elyri Lynn, Estelle Peronk and Joanne Paul. If you can't make the session live, it's uh, it'll be the 19th of November, Sunday, the 19th of November. But if you can't make it live, you can submit your question beforehand. So don't worry. And then the recordings of those lives are available as well as all the talks until the end of the following January. So January 2024. So um, it's a it's a fab event. I think you'll all love it. Um, I've uh, missed a few comments while I was doing that. So um Ah, J 
Jenna, really hope to get to the uh, book club on the May the 21st. It's the first weekend of fair season, which you are heavily involved in. And I love seeing your photographs from. Um, yes, brilliant. So uh, here we are. Who have we got? Maria. Hello from Rehab Centre. What? Um, oh, dear. My afternoon is definitely not as eventful as yours by the look of it, Maria. No. Um, stay safe if, as, as much as you can, please. Um, right. So, so there you go. So, um, so that's the Tudor History li Festival lineup. I've mentioned also uh, briefly already that I've been speaking to Sarah Slater. So that interview will. Um, I haven't got a date to 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 bring that to you yet, but that's all filmed this morning. Talking about Hampton Court Palace, what it's like to guide there. But she's so knowledgeable on the history because, like I say, she's a white badge guide, which means that is her training is in one place. It's in Hampton Court Palace, and um, just as a example of things she was talking about, she she explained the story behind the stained glass windows in the Great Hall. Now, if any of you have been to Hampton Court or you've seen pictures of Hampton Court obviously the Great Hall is iconic um and it's um the, the stained glass is Victorian and I have definitely been guilty of this sort of dismissing it because it's Victorian there is an entire very well thought out story behind the stained glass and it it does feature Henry VIII and all of his six wives. So you clearly know it's not um, contemporary to the hall. It's not Tudor. But the story that it's telling, the way it works with whether the sun, where the sun comes in and doesn't come in, uh, is is very, very fascinating. So you'll be able to hear all about that. Good morning, Lally Poppy. So, yes, please feel free to um, stick a hello in the chat, an emoji of what the weather's like where you are, um, if an emoji of what you're doing, if it's not too rude. Um, Maria, mum's doing her physio while I watch a public, the public fight with the police. Oh, dear. Outside. Oh, oh because, there's, because the road's cut off. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of people are stupid here. Lots of people are stupid everywhere, but, you know, it's entertaining. Oh. So that was the interview I've done with Sarah Slater. The other interview that I've got for you coming up. Um, good morning, Karen in New Jersey. Sunny there. Oh, God, sunshine. Do you know, it's starting to get sunny here. So I have my first tour of the season beginning in, uh, I'm not sure how many days, 16th of May. So not long. Cloudly, cloudy in Raleigh. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen, we've got these travel diaries for this tour. This is the one I do every May, the Anne Boleyn tour. Um, oh, Kath, having a coffee while my son is ill and off school. Up in East Lancashire, though, lovely part of the world. Um, and look, I've got a cute little pen that goes with it as well. Oh, well, you can't see. Anyway, that's the sign, but on the little pen. Um, yeah, we go in, so however many days that is, till 16th of May. And it's sunny here, but it's cold. It is still cold. Janine over there in Minnesota, Danny uh, in Milan, already too hot here in Italy. Well, you're, you're in Italy, which I miss, I miss, I miss, I miss, and uh, and I'm solar powered, so we'll swap, <laughs> we'll swap. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm hoping it warms up, at least if it's dry for the tour, that is always um, ideal. Obviously, we have planned A's, B's, and C's for for all sorts of eventualities, but um, a bit of warmth would be would be nice. Um, the other interview, sorry, that I have, and I definitely have this coming up for you next week, is um, my interview with Julian Humphreys. Um, any of you who came to the Stuart Online Summit or have been on History After Dark with us, um, you will know Julian. He is. Um, uh, he is he is a battlefields uh, trust um, trustee, um, but his 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 knowledge his background it, it's it, you know he, he's um, is varied and and depth in depth, 
And I was speaking to him about the Battle of Tewkesbury, which sees its anniversary next week, the 4th of uh, May. And the Battle of Tewkesbury um, was pivotal. I Now, I have a very interesting theory that I'll tell you in a minute. Um, Maria got sunburnt, even though she's slathered in SPF 50, not amused, absolutely boiling. Apparently, we may well get this warm weather. We don't want it quite as warm as we did last July, I have to say. We were on tour in 40 degree heat and that was that was too much. <laughs> that was too much. Everyone did very well. But we had to adapt what we were doing because it was just so hot. So hot. We we do sort of medium weather here. <laughs> don't like it too cold. Don't like it too hot. Um, but anywhere in the middle, and this is the best place to be, I have to say. So, um, uh, yes, so the Battle of Tewkesbury is the anniversary is next week. So you will get to hear um, uh Julian's interview next week uh patrons of course you get it a few days early um and you'll have seen a few weeks ago I was at Tewkesbury um in fact I'm back in Tewkesbury on tour at the end of um June into July we're on uh, the private life of Anne Boleyn tour then and we we use the backdrop of the Sorry, I keep knocking my microphone. We we use the backdrop of the 1535 Summer Progress that Anne Boleyn did with Henry VIII to look at Anne's um, life and personality uh, in in more detail. And so, um, so I'll be back there again. But yes, the Battle of Tewkesbury. So <clears throat> the Battle of Tewkesbury, 1471, is the one... I think I spoke about this last week a bit, actually. So I'll skip. I'll do it quickly. But it's the one where um, you have Edward the Fourth's forces. The, the three brothers are there: Edward the Fourth, George Duke of Clarence, and Richard Duke of Gloucester, who, of course, will become Richard the um, Third. Uh, uh, George Duke of Clarence is the brother who um, who is uh, executed for treason at the Tower of London. Um, uh, in the subsequent years but the the three brothers are turning out on the same side this time you have uh, forces uh, headed well led by the the king's uh, wife not on the battlefield but possibly strategically uh, the 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 forces of Henry VI's wife Margaret of Anjou who by the way is linked to Tutbury Castle as well (laughs) Um, uh, which I'll be talking about shortly and they, they, Edward the Fourth uh, army catches up with the army of um, of Margaret of Anjou at the Tewkesbury. They're trying to get across the river to get into Wales, where they think they can find more support. Her son, Henry the Sixth, and Margaret of Anjou's only only child, only son. He's seventeen at the time. Edward, Prince of Wales, is also there and does turn out on the battlefield. Now, he is killed during the fighting, whether it's during the battle or the aftermath, but he is killed there. And so Henry VI is already in captivity. This is the end for that line, the Lancastrian line. And um, so so he's killed. So really, if you think about it, then that was the end of what was latter you know much much later later called the wars of the roses and it wasn't called the cousins war either apparently that's that's another made up that's another made up thing um you'd already had two lots oh thank you carly Fay, for the badge thank you i must say thank you i never even thought to say about badges you can support me with badges on instagram stars on facebook and super chats on youtube i would love though for you to come over to my patreon because that's where i can give you back a load of stuff for your five pounds a month and that's patreon.com forward slash british history um so yeah so chooksbury um i was writing this for i was writing a bit of a synopsis for the for my patrons because I was uh, inviting them to ask, uh, to submit questions for Julian. And I found myself thinking, well, how is this not the last battle of the Wars of the Roses, as I'll call it? Um, And 
so Marie asks, why is it why was it renamed the Wars of the Roses? Do we know at all? I don't think it was renamed. I think that's the that's the name it was given. And Shakespeare, I think, wasn't it? Referred to it as the Wars of the Roses. I don't know if he's the first or whether he is reflecting what it was um being known as. But you the Tudors, this is it's brilliant for Tudor propaganda to call it the Wars of the Roses because the Tudors combine those roses. So Henry VII can say, I finished it and I concluded the entire thing with my marriage to Elizabeth of York. And the we've literally got the, the, the white rose of York and the red rose of Lancaster together, combined, and in our children they're combined and this is this is this is why it's all over i've i've sorted it <laughs> um thank you for the uh badge um deb orden international fine art thank you very much for the badge um so um so that's yeah so that's 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 why it it, it, it is a, a I mean, the Tudor Rose itself is a brilliant piece of propaganda to call it the Wars of the Roses. Now, that is where I started to go. My mind started to go to when I was explaining, you know, where does the Battle of Tewkesbury fit in? Well, it's sort of the end of the second Wars of the Roses. Well, how, though, when it's um, so we've got, what, 71 to 85. So it's 14 years until the Battle of Osworth. Um, let me pause there for a moment. Jenna says, it baffles me why they allowed Prince Edward to be on the battlefield. I understand it's war, but I would think with him being heir and his father being so unstable, no one would risk his safety. But he was very, uh, Julian talks about this actually, so you'll, you'll, you'll be able to understand this more from when you see his interview than, than probably from me now. But um, it's important, in fact, it's vital that the uh that the, the this is what we don't get now but it's vital that our leaders are literally leading in the battlefield he needs to prove himself if he doesn't prove himself on the battlefield then he's as good as useless so they're not going to protect him he doesn't want to be protected either he wants to prove himself um it's really important that's what gives him the status the um and it's not just about status as in, you know, bling and <laughs> palaces and whatnot. It's, is he good for the role? Is he good for this? Um, Rebecca, I'll have to make a mental note during HAD tonight to ask Dr. Cat if Shakespeare originated the phrase. Yes, if anyone would know. Well, indeed, indeed, Rebecca, Cat uh, uh, would know. Yes. Um, yeah. They, in fact, they're doing a Q&A tonight, aren't they? Because I'm not, I'm not on History After Dark tonight because I'm travelling down south after we finish here today. Um, so I think they are doing a Q&A, so that would be a good one. You can ask on behalf of me as well. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so I found myself explaining that this is sort of the end of the second Wars of the Roses, and yet hmm, it's 14 years after that the Battle of Bosworth happens. Now, we don't clump together many wars like that, do we? I don't like it, it doesn't feel like we do. Um, Marianne, I've heard World War One referred to as the War of the Cousins. Is that right? Well, that I suppose it was really. Well, Depends, but yeah. So I suppose we call them the World Wars, but they're distinctly the World War One, World War Two. You could even call previous wars to that World Wars if you want to, you know, start splitting hairs about well, who actually was involved and how many countries were involved. Um, uh, hello, Brian in New York. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Um, so uh, my mind started to go to. Is this also a piece of uh, a piece of Tudor propaganda? Because the same way as Henry the Seventh can say he's completed the Wars of the Roses by uh, him being the Lancastrian line, which is tenuous, 
And obviously his wife, Elizabeth of York, being the daughter of Edward IV, he's combined them in marriage, in children. You've got the Tudor Rose, which is the icon of that. Um, what better way to keep that narrative going but to make your invasion with a mercenary force uh, into Wales and your claim to be the Lancastrian claimant to the throne, what better, you know, let's keep up with this narrative and make out that the Battle of Bosworth was part of those overall Wars of the Roses. There you go. There's a bit of a new perspective uh, on that and one that, which occurred to me. Um, a couple of weeks ago. And I asked Julian his opinion on that, on my take from that as well. So you'll be able to see that in the interview. Elaine, hi, Dan. They're in Brazil. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so you'll be able to see that interview next week about the Battle of Tewkesbury because that is the anniversary. My interview with Sarah Slater, from uh, who is a She's fabulous Hampton uh, guide at Hampton Court Palace. She guides my my tour groups when I take them there. She is she's fabulous. They're all fabulous, but I really really um, take to Sarah. She she knows so much because she is a white blood white badge guide. She's a, a at Hampton Court. She is um, a guide lecturer there. That um, that uh, yeah she um, she's just fabulous. So you'll see that. I'll let you know when that one's going to be out a uh, date for it yet um maria it should be duly noted that you also influence us fashion wise <laughs> you look very lovely in this color and cap sleeve sweater very summery thank you very much Do you know right when this came i'll tell you a funny story it came with shoulder pads it was like that <laughs> i had them taken out that was just too much that was too much. Actually, I look like I should be on the Starship Enterprise or something if they're out there. No, I couldn't have had that, could I? Let them just sit there over my colossal shoulders, <laughs> built up from swimming as a teenager and continued with weightlifting now. But there you are. That's how come I can lift suitcases. <sighs> Shall we get on to Tutbury Castle? Um, I was there at... Um, Tony girl you are very welcome <laughs> you're very welcome I'm glad you like this format it is a little bit chatty but we do cover quite a lot so um I hope you enjoy it um <laughs> Mary, I feel the modification was exceptional <laughs> thank you I didn't do it myself either I got there's a really lovely seamstress in the local town so I got her to do it I was no way I was going to mess um, so last Thursday, so I saw you all last Wednesday, last Thursday, I went to Tutbury Castle, which is in the Midlands, which becomes significant when we talk about the story of a one-time prisoner there. I say one time, she was there four times, but uh, Mary Queen of Scots was kept prisoner there. Um, but the castle, if you ever get to go to Tutbury Castle and... Um, uh, Linda, if she's still on, definitely will be in September. Um, and there's a few of you who are on tour with me in September. It's uh, We're doing an Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots tour. And we go to Tutbury Castle because of its, um, because of course it was, it was a uh, prison for Mary Queen of Scots, but also Leslie Smith, who is the curator there. Um, if you don't know who she is, have a look on my YouTube channel and look at the interview I did with her about how she does what she does and what she does is but she 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 plays the characters so she'll be Mary Queen of Scots or she'll be Elizabeth the first she'll I've seen her do Catherine of Aragon she does Boudicca which I'm desperate to see I've not seen that one yet and she she not to sound too woo-woo but she channels them so that you're you can feel really what she's trying to do is really bring to life the character, the, the, the people. I don't want to call them characters that, because what she's trying to do is show you that they're real people with feelings, with emotions, with make mistakes, who don't strategize their life down to the T, which we always we always do that to historical people. Think about that, what we do. We we analyze their lives so much as if they have a strategy. Do you all have a strategy? I don't have a strategy. And even if you do. That, what is it? Tell God your plans. And if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Um, you know, so 
anyway, so she 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 embodies um uh, Mary Queen of Scots. It's fabulous. This performance is just fabulous. It's a monologue, really. And then you get to interact with her and ask questions. So we're going to Tutbury Castle to see Leslie be Mary Queen of Scots, but also to visit um obviously the place where Mary was incarcerated on four occasions. If you go to Tutbury Castle, you're also walking in the footsteps of, um, I've mentioned her already, Margaret of Anjou, who was gifted the castle on her marriage to uh, Henry VI, um, John of Gaunt and Blanche of Lancaster. Blanche of Lancaster, I think, may have given birth there, um, possibly died there, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if anyone's sure, but I'm not sure if that's what I've heard. Richard III spent a lot of money on the castle, gardens, actually. But it is in a very strategic place. It's sort of on the top, uh, well, it is on the top of a of a hill. The views around it are superb, very important if it's going to be a, uh, a strategic castle, castle, which indeed it was. I think it was built in 1068. And... So this is straight after the Norman Conquest. It's part of a string of castles to uh, defend, uh, stamp authority on whatever by the Normans to the uh, populace. Um, Linda, I watched a couple of videos on YouTube on Leslie as Mary Queen of Scots. Great history. Yes. Oh, yes. I've got an interview with her about Mary as well, actually. I don't know if you've seen that one, but that's worth a look. Um, So it is in a strategic position. Um, like I say, one of the uh, string of Norman castles which were put up just after the uh, the um, I was going to say invasion. I suppose it was really uh, uh, conquering the conquest of 1066 makes it very windy. <laughs> can make it very cold. Can make it inhospitable in certain uh, you know time at certain times of the year, and that is what Mary found. When Mary, uh, Queen of Scots, was first taken there, it actually hadn't been too long since there had been a bit of a refurbishment. Oh, Henry VIII knew the palace as well, by the way, uh, the castle as well, because he had a stud um, sort of farm. I don't know if you call it a stud farm, but it's uh, near, nearby. That's where his horses came from. Um, and so... Elizabeth I actually had, um, oh, am I am I stopping? Um, Elizabeth I had had money spent on Tutbury Castle um, in kind of anticipation of going there. I think Robert Dudley might have been there to to survey and decide what to do. So, but in 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 the end, Elizabeth didn't go. But it was chosen as uh, a prison for Mary, and she was first taken there and put in. When she was first taken there, excuse me, she was put in. The, the rooms that um, I suppose Queen Elizabeth would have stayed in had she have gone. Um, they, the tower that she was in remains. Um, it is a slighted castle, so it is ruined. That happened uh, after the English Civil Wars of the 17th century. Act of Parliament to slight Tutbury Castle because it held out for King Charles. But the tower that Mary was kept in is still there. The um, uh, There's a fireplace still there, which Mary would have, yeah, you can imagine, would have stood next to, would have, would have, would recognise, which is quite special. You can't get anywhere near it because it's, it's halfway up a wall now because there's no floors in there. Um Linda, I bet it will be lovely weather in September, fingers crossed. Yes, hopefully it will be. Hopefully it will be. But even, do you know, when I went, sorry, I keep looking at my microphone. When I went, I uh, it, it was a sunny day. So the photographs, if you've seen them on my Instagram, uh, and I've got a reel on Instagram as well, the photographs are beautiful because it's blue sky. It was, though, incredibly windy, so a bit, a bit cutting in the air. I think that gives a good insight into why Mary wouldn't have liked it. So, like I say, initially she wasn't kept in too bad conditions. Um, But then at the beginning of of Mary's incarceration, she did have more freedoms. As time went on and the, uh, the sort of events evolved 
in in all sorts of ways um you know elizabeth was excommunicated by the pope um you have a a, a more um I think possibly some invented, but some definitely real conspiracies to to get Elizabeth off the throne and put a replacement on the throne. Of course, Mary being a, uh, a, a sort of top candidate for that. She's Catholic. She's Tudor blood. She's definitely royal blood from all like, all ways, and she's in the country. So you can see why there was this temptation. As time goes on, Mary does seem to be involved. Like, she's got nothing else left. Her son isn't taking any sort of part in um, in, in negotiating for her release. And, uh, and she does get embroiled in the Babington plot. So by the time she's brought back to Tutbury in... Oh, I haven't actually com- uh, committed the year to memory i think it's 1567 someone wants to look that up for me but by the time she's brought back to tutbury then and all these things all this 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 has moved on she's kept in a timber framed what we would think actually of as quintessentially tudor if you think about the you know timber frame and the wattle and daub um she's kept in in this building which is uh it's two story i think one story one room deep i don't think it was particularly deep but up built up to the or uh, around the, the inside of the curtain wall between where she was kept the first time and another tower between the north and south towers it's damp it's drafty it's cold it's next to the midden which is the the rubbish dump for the castle it's so moldy Mary says she has to wipe the mould off everything every day. It is horrendous. And the interview I did with Leslie is well worth a look um, because she talks about her treatment. And one of the things that Leslie uh, said is Elizabeth might not want um, to have executed Mary but that doesn't mean she didn't want her dead. And the conditions she was kept in, Mary was ill, actually, by this point. Um, Jenna just made the point, no wonder she was so sick. You know, her, she was so, the trauma, she was she was very traumatised. She would, um, there are, uh, Leslie talks about accounts of where she is, she runs out of the, the house into, that she's in, into kind of the um, the green, in bare feet, screaming. She throws up blood when she's first brought to the castle at the castle gates. The ca- that that gate, by the way, you can still walk through. So you're literally walking uh, exactly where Mary Queen of Scots would have gone. You will know that when you get there. Um, her hair is falling out. She is not a well person, and of course, she's actually uh, becoming uh, coming toward the end, the uh, artificial end of of her life because she's she's executed the following year. Um, but yeah, she's so she's now those buildings that she was kept in no longer exist. But there are records of it, and an excavation that was done there in conjunction with the uh, the British Museum and someone else I can't remember, but the British Museum I know were involved. Um, uncovered part of the uh, foundations of what is believed to be buildings which mary was was kept in on that final occasion and i in my patreon i put um more pictures and videos of exactly where that is and what it looks like and if you're coming on tour like linda is with me in september by the way there are some spaces left for september um that's the only tour this that's if that's the only tour that's on sale at the moment because next um next may's Anne Boleyn tour is already sold out and i've still got to release the other 2024 tours but there are some spaces on the elizabeth I and mary queen of scots tour this september and it's not being repeated so if you fancy it take a look at the website britishhistorytours.com forward slash history tours uh, well if you just go to the website and you'll see and um, click on the elizabeth I and mary queen of scots tour and have a look because this is your opportunity to do that 
that tour and of course with everything you know prices going up and everything then um you can get on at kind of this year's prices um but yeah there's a few spaces left and you get to come to Tutbury Castle with us and see you'll see where the foundations they've they've left them the markings um markings out of the foundations there so you can um you can know that you're in the same space it's it's really incredible it's really quite incredible so take a look at the reel that i've done on instagram um um the story will have gone now but um or the dustbin man's outside i hope you can't hear him <laughs> uh, so um marion what castle did mary queen of scots stay at that played a part in the downfall of bess of hardwick so that might be linked to tutbury actually um because it was bess of hardwick's husband um who was initially uh the um custodian of mary to begin with but he had a number of uh properties and so tutbury was one of those properties there is some embroideries which mary queen of scots did with uh with bess of hardwick which i was lucky enough to see displayed at the british library i want to say last year but it might even have been the year before now (laughs) time flies um and actually at Tutbury I think I think they were partly done at Tutbury and at Tutbury another lady a a lady uh embroiderer now has uh, a few well a few years ago has um uh recreated them they're fabulous and they're at Tutbury um Marion yeah the downfall of her marriage best of hard I'm trying to think who, who her husband was was who now he he was he was stopped from being her from being Mary Queen of Scots custodian um I think there was suspicion that he'd sort of fallen for Mary's charms which didn't help his marriage to Bessa Hardwick clearly uh, but also lost him the the role of custodian to Mary I think that might that I think that's that whole story is in the interview I've done with Leslie actually so I tell you what I will repost that interview after this so that you can have a have a look um so um it was it was it was it's a bit out of the way Tutbury Castle it's not one that I think um people know either don't know too much about or don't make the the journey to it but it is worth it it is well worth it and you could pair it up with going to say Hardwick Hall best of Hardwick's Hall um home so um there are other things to do in the area as well uh, and they also have events on as well but yes i've still got some uh spaces on the september tour so if you're interested in coming to tutbury on the elizabeth the first and mary queen of scots tour we get to see leslie twice on that tour the day before we get to see um leslie as elizabeth the first at harvington hall uh which i have talked about uh quite a lot um and uh it's a catholic recusance uh, house elizabethan manor house so to see elizabeth in this house is quite fabulous um maria must have been the biggest stinkiest compost heap ever yeah yeah so i it was it was there was a purpose behind it and that's just part of the bad treatment as well where she was housed she had been allowed to have her um cloth of estate up that was pulled down um so yeah she she was but she i think she was um just in an impossible position you know you could say she shouldn't have got involved in any of the plots but um she she had no other avenue when she first came when she first escaped to england of course it was in the thought that elizabeth would support her and she would be going straight back up to scotland to take back her throne um so yeah it didn't go as she had thought it would um linda says a lot of that history is discussed in blood fire and gold yes of course so for any of you who've joined since i was talking about it we've got book club coming up soon and we're discussing this book blood fire and gold by estelle peronk and it's it's the biography of elizabeth I and catherine de medici the um uh, sort of french um queen mother 
Mary Mary features a lot because, of course, Catherine Medici was her first mother-in-law, and um, and obviously Elizabeth I and Mary uh, Queen of Scots are cousins, and she features a lot in in that in that story. Um, so where are we up to? We're fifty minutes in, so. Quick reminder, the Tudor Online History Festival lineup, we've got seven speakers now. So last week I announced the sixth, we've had a seventh. So now in in completeness, we have Tracy Borman, Gareth Russell, Katrina Marchant, Estelle Peronk, Joanne Paul, James Clark, whose interview I can't wait for you to see. In fact, once James's interview is out, that will be all six of those will have interviews on YouTube, so you can check them out beforehand. And the seventh, uh, so the additional speaker, which I'm so pleased has been able to confirm, is Elyri Lynn, who is a um, textiles and fashion historian. So, you, you know, I'm still to decide which, she's got so many talks she could give on Tudor fashion. I'm yet to decide which one to, to ask her to do, but... Um, her talks on Georgian fashion and Stuart's fashion, Stuart fashions have been uh, been incredible because it's not just about what they wear, it's about all the significance and the meaning in what they wear, um, as well as the practicalities of what they wear, how, how they got dressed and things, which I, I find fascinating. Um, you'll be able to see the interview, like I say, with Julian Humphreys on the Battle of Tewkesbury next week. If you're a patron, you get to see that early. It will also be on the podcast. I must say, uh, I should have said at the beginning, thank you to anyone who's listening on the podcast. Much appreciated. And you can, um, let me see if I can find the exact, um, no, I can't. The So you can get links to all of the things that I'm up to um, and news about events and um, tours, et cetera, et cetera, everything basically all in one place. If you sign up to my free Substack, it's philippab.substack.com, philippa with one L and two Ps. So philippab.substack.com. Uh, <laughs> look at Substack, look up Philippa B. You'll find me there or you can go via the link in my bio and then you get my free newsletter. You also get this uh, as well via email or via your Substack app um, to watch if you've missed it. I'm going to leave you there. I won't be seeing you tonight on History After Dark, I'm afraid, but the girls are there. So there is a History After Dark. They're doing a Q&A. They'll be talking to you about what they've been up to. Um, and... Uh, you can ask about uh, where the Wars of the Roses name came from. Rebecca's going to put that to to Kat tonight. I will see you again next week at one o'clock on Wednesday for another Tea Time History Chat Live. And the evening on History After Dark next week will be our roundup of the last four candidates for deceased git of 2023. It's our so 2023 is our deceased git season we are scoring and ranking uh gits from history so uh this is our third roundup it will be next week join us for that for now though have a great day thank you so much for joining and uh take care and i'll see you all really soon all right bye-bye bye everyone